Welcome to You Can't Laugh at Work, part of the You Can't Laugh at That podcast. We invite leaders from top workplaces to prove that not only can you laugh at work, the same traits that make a great comedian also make a great leader. Today's guest is no different. Victor Bonner, CEO of Franklin, Tennessee-based association management company, Innovatus Group. Innovatus Group creates, manages, and engages communities. In simple terms, they bring people together, just like laughter. Whether it's a customer group, a user group, or society, they get audiences excited and engaged with your product or service by listening to the needs of your company or association, and they create custom solutions that meet your goals. From an entire infrastructure of management to a tailored experience for your elite customers, they track your audience's engagement and interest in real time and adjust accordingly, just like a comedian works a room, allowing them to be one step ahead with new ideas and innovation, nurturing your community members into community advocates. Their culture has been recognized as a top workplace by the Tennessean two years in a row and is a workplace that values entrepreneurship, humility, fun, and hard work, which is part of the reason why I invited Victor to be on this episode of the podcast. But before we get to that, this podcast is brought to you by Water Cooler Comedy. What if your team was as excited to clock in on Monday morning as they were for that first drink on Friday night? As the work force continues to shift and deal with new disruptions and distractions, leaders are looking for answers as to how they can bring their teams together, recruit and retain top talent, and be ready for the next unexpected adversity. Turns out, when humor plays an active role in the workplace experience, it can help solve all of those challenges. And at Water Cooler Comedy, it's our mission to turn your company into one where laughing together is part of building a stronger culture and improving the problem-solving process. From customized corporate comedy experiences to keynotes to comedy workshops to online training and one-on-one consulting and more, Water Cooler Comedy can help make your company one where people come together to laugh around the water cooler, whether it's in person or virtual. Schedule a free consultation today at watercoolercomedy.org forward slash booking or learn more about us at watercoolercomedy.org because we want to help you make work the time and place to laugh. Welcome to You Can't Laugh at Work. This is part of the You Can't Laugh at That podcast series. Uh, We typically bring on comedians and talk about topics that are uh, not funny and we prove that they can be made funny from the right perspective, but uh, work is one of those topics that is brought up as, you know, the, the old school way of thinking. You, you can't be laughing and working at the same time, when in reality, research has shown over and over again that there isn't anything further from the truth. Yeah. And uh, joining us today is Victor Bonner from uh, Innovatus. That's how you say it, right? That's right. Yep, you got it. All right. I, I, like, I want to go to the Greek pronunciation I know, of the Latin, you know, yes. or, you know. People say innovatus all the time. And mm. I have to tell you that when I hear it, it's, uh, I feel like there's an extra level of credibility it gives our company, but in full disclosure, it is innovative. So, but thank you for the detail. Yeah. I just want to, I want to make sure I get it right. Like I, <laughs> I, it would be perfectly David to just pronounce it wrong the entire time. And then, yeah. uh, and then at the end you're like, yeah, no, that's not, you, this is all wrong. No, you got it right. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Man. Awesome. Um, 
Well, give us a little bit of background on uh, on what you do as an organization, but explain it as though I'm a five-year-old. Can you do that? Yes, sure, or anyone in my family. Yeah, um, yeah, pretty that, much, uh, yeah. I've never used a computer before. What, what's up? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've got it from my family that, um, and this is actually a true story, so I'll jump right into the, uh, the, the humor of, of all of this. There was literally a, a conversation I had with my father one day, and I think it has to do with my background. I used, actually used to work in Washington, D.C. In, in politics, and there was literally a, a conversation I had with my father one day, and he said, you know, look, um, one day I just want you to know, if you ever decide to tell me what you really do, you can trust me. <laughs> <laughs> that I assure you, it's not it's not as uh, as exciting as you as you think. I think he thinks I was some sort of uh, you know Vince Flynn character, you know Jack Reacher, uh, you know covert operative. I, that's not what we do. Um, what we do do uh, at Innovatus is, and we're a company that focuses on creating, uh, supporting, and managing communities. Really creating opportunities for people with like interests uh, to connect with each other. Now, there's a, a whole industry out there, association management, that, that is probably most closely what we align to, and indeed, most of our clients are associations. The reason I, I don't go right to association management is because, one, it's still something that unless you're in that industry, people don't know what it is. And number two, the whole core and foundation for why we started Innovatus six years ago. Um, and I think the reason that in that time we become one of the largest, one of the fastest growing uh, companies in this space is because we haven't approached it like so many other association management companies or ANCs as they refer to themselves. So yes, we provide similar services. Yes, if you provide um, a side-by-side -side view of our business model and their business model, there's gonna be a lot of similarities. But where we differ, is we believe uh, in focusing on things like engagement and on relevance. And historically, organizations that, uh, that are in the space, uh, they look at things like size. How many members did I have? And you know, how many attendees did I have in my last conference? And both of those are critical indicators, don't get me wrong. But what we do is we go a level down and, and we try to assess where the organization is in terms of the universe that it represents, whether that's an industry, a profession, an interest, et cetera. And then we measure that sort of representation. And our, our general premise, which is fairly simple, is that if your membership base is not reflective of the organization or the industry that it represents, your, your relevance to that uh, profession um, isn't as strong. And so what really sets us apart is we take it beyond just the management, which I think has a largely execution type of, of slant to it, and we move it to more of an engagement, active, dynamic uh, type of philosophy. Uh, and to do that, you have to have a, a, a unique culture, a unique business model, a unique staff team, uh, and we believe we've assembled that over the past few years. That, that all sounds super serious, man. Uh, but, <laughs> but here's the thing is, you know, yeah. organizations like you, you know, you, you matter. You're, you're a big part of, you know, I do a lot of speaking for associations. I, I do a lot of work <laughs> with HR associations and, uh, you know, kind of getting their finger on the pulse of their people. Are they, are they engaging their people? Are they, um, are they reaching out to the right people? That's a, that's a big component of this. Same goes 
in regard to being a comedian, like getting on stage, yeah. you have to know your audience. Because if you're delivering a message that isn't vibing with your audience, you're not gonna create that connection. So uh, a big part of what you say uh, is, is like connecting, is, is creating this dialogue, is building these communities uh, of advocates. I listened to another interview that you did and, and I thought that was really, really interesting. Let's frame this in a cultural standpoint. Uh, how do you bring your people together to form communities through this two-way dialogue? Sure. Yeah, you know, it's, it's so I had never even attempted to get into this analogy that we're getting into between what we do in, in comedy. So this, this has the, the huge potential to, to fall pretty flat. Um, so that's an interesting way to, to, to open that question. But I, I do think you're right. It's understanding, you know, the uh, the dynamic between, you know, audience and, and performer, I suppose. And, and, you know, the when you do it right, it's probably highly rewarding, same as us. When we do things right, it's highly rewarding. But boy, when something doesn't work, it, it, you know, it bombs for us, just like a, a bad joke, I, I would say. Um, but for us, I do think that we've gotten very good at that uh, fingers on the pulse. To to, uh, to use that uh, that term, understanding what it is that people want, but what separates us is not just being able to do that, but it's very quickly understanding what that means and creating action behind that. So um, a great example is through the pandemic, right? Everyone uh, was scrambling to figure out what the pandemic was going to mean for them, whether it was job focused, uh, work focused, work from home focused, event focused. We were making massive moves back in, in February, and I think that that ability to, uh, to very quickly process the information and then take action on that, that makes sure that our relevance isn't uh, reactive. Our, rea our, our, uh, our ability to drive engagement is very proactive, meaning that when people are trying to figure out what is my life going to look like work from home, we're already out there setting up webinars for you to look at. And, Boy, the webinars and the advice that we gave in February is probably very good in February, not very relevant now because it changes so quickly. So I think that the most important thing that we do is while we represent very large communities, we find ways to get very small very quickly to ensure that, hey, what is David's engagement going to be? How is David going to, uh, to measure the return on this? And yes, while we look at this from a business model perspective, as engaging large communities, our success, and I think the success for the communities that we work with, that we partner with, is found in having that relevance at the individual level. If you have that philosophical approach to that, I think it gives you a leg up. Now, it's, it's you know, candidly, it can be very difficult to do. I think you've got to be very careful to not listen to the squeaky wheels uh, and making sure that you're, you know, relevant to the, the, uh, the, the bulk of the membership and recognize that you've got people that are always the first ones through the wall on, on new offerings. And you have people that are, are legacy and they're, they're just holding on to the, the bitter end. And you've got to have that, that right balance of offerings, delivery mediums and relevance to each of those people. I think uh, making it small, I think that's a really good way of, of framing it that can connect with just about anybody. Um, you know, making big problems small, making big, uh, you know, you've got a, a large amount of people uh, that, that are looking up to you and looking to you for answers and, and minimizing that on a human level 
that has been a recurring theme in organizations that have weathered the storm, not only weathered the storm, but come out even better on the other side as a result of that. And what would you say is that your a skill that you have personally on a personal level uh, that has, that has been your biggest factor of success throughout this whole thing? Oh boy. I mean, it's gotta be that I love what I do. Right. I mean, that, that has to be it. It's uh, I think that you can see it in our, um, you know, our warm up to this, you know, we were laughing about a few things and, and even how I describe things. I mean, uh, I love what we do. I believe um, immensely without qualification in the, the power. And I suppose you could say good and bad, but the power of the collective, the collective experience of a, of an organization or a community, the collective knowledge of an organization or a community. And, you know, the, when used right, the collective power of the same and, I suppose I was somehow exposed to that at a uh, at an early age, but you know that that belief uh, that I have that this better together type of thing um, is is ultimately what drives us. I think the other thing, and this is probably a, a a better answer to what you're asking, is we've seen a shift, and it probably happened. I would argue with the advent of of cell phones, and then accelerated with things like smartphones. But you're seeing consumer behavior drive enterprise strategy. And so when you look at organizations that are out there, and we work with some of the largest companies in, in the world, actually, um, but the way they engage their customer now is really driven by consumer behaviors. And there's some, you know, really fantastic stories uh, that, that highlight that. Yeah, um, I'm, a, I'm a Peloton customer and, and, and member. And when you look at what they do, uh, they, it's a bike, it's a nice bike. Um, but really the difference is they enable a very easy integration with a broader community and that ability for, for me or anyone else to engage that community when I want to, how I want to, for how long I want to, um, that to me is a strategy that is great for a fitness company, but boy, you can apply that to a customer engagement company, um, or customer engagement strategy for some of the largest companies in the world. So it's uh there's something very personal about what we do i believe i believe in the outcome and i think the companies that start to embrace that they start to see these communities not as a way to create loyalty but truly a competitive differentiator for them now reframe that as far as you know uh, consumer you know you say consumer behavior uh, drives yeah. engagement strategy uh, what about employee behavior uh, how does that uh, how does that drive your engagement strategy uh, employee behavior from our team. I mean, you know, look, it's, uh, there's, there's, there's two answers to that, you know, first of all, we certainly seek out a certain type of employee mm-hmm. uh, and team member from, from our company. And, you know, we've seen our, our team grow to, uh, uh, you know, almost a hundred people between our offices in Nashville, Chicago, and DC. When that happens and happens as rapidly as it does, it starts to obviously feed into the culture. And so that culture that's developed by this type of employee that we're recruiting now starts to create this cycle of, of uh, a self-perpetuating cycle of, uh, of culture. So the type of people that we look for though, uh, you know, are reflective of what I just said. They tend to slant to, uh, to younger. Now look, I'm almost 50, so younger, I think is a relative term. Uh, so they tend to, to slant, you know, to a little bit younger. So you're, you're talking about your, your, uh, early 30s-ish. You, you're, uh, we tend to find and seek out people that are creative, uh, people that can, can attribute their success to the success of the clients that they serve. So they, there's really that sort of embedded value in what they're doing, that uh, attachment to it. 
people that recognize that um, there's never a, a, a situation where rinse and repeat is a strategy. So if, if you come in and you create something that's successful, what we do is we take a look at it and say, okay, how can we replicate it for other organizations or how do we make it bigger? Um, if something fails, no problem. We try to determine did it fail because it was a bad idea, which has happened by the way, uh, or did it fail because maybe there was something wrong with the execution, can we tweak it and move forward? And so we have to, I, I think we, we have to demand a bit of instability in our environment because it helps us continue to stay uh, mentally and strategically sharp. And to do that, to have people that trust their instincts at a relatively young age, or you know, I should say, uh, a younger place in their 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 career, uh, to have them trust their instincts, to know that we trust them, to have the ability to get in there and, and fail, um, but to ultimately understand that 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 you've got a team behind you help drive success. That's the team that we're building, and that's the environment that we try to create. And again, happy to elaborate on what that takes to keep that type of, of, of workforce engaged and, and, and happy, which I think we've done pretty well. We've got almost 0% turnover. Um, so we've done a really good job doing that. Yeah. And you, you show up on these best places to work list, which congratulations. I mean, that's a, that's Thank a distinction you. that, that, uh, that more organizations, you know, should strive for. Um, I mean, I almost like, I love that that organizations like yours are are being put on this pedestal for that reason. But I I want that market to be saturated. Like I want more workplaces to have that mentality. Like demanding instability, that is a, that's a risky move for a lot yeah. of people who want to you know I want to go to work. I want to know what's going to happen, and I want to clock out and and you know live my life. But in, in demanding instability, uh, that creates a lot of uncertainty. And to yeah. me, uncertainty is a sandbox where there are the, you know, we could keep building the sandbox out, doing whatever we want inside that sandbox. And uh, on your website, it talks about incorporating fun into the culture. So um, mm -hmm. how is that included in uh, everything you just described through like trust, uh, through, you know, failure, no rinse and repeat and so on? Uh, yeah. How does fun play a role into that? Well, I think it's it's at the core of everything we do. If you could have seen the two or three people that uh, were helping me just just get set up for this, and it, it's it, there's a lot of laughter that happens. Um, you know, first going back, I I, I want to talk about the uh, the recognition that we did get because there's some hindsight in my pride in those that type of recognition. What I mean by that is no one ever gets into that for that type of recognition. But what's fantastic about the the recognition that we've received for being one of the top workplaces it is 100% voted on by your, your team members. And so I think that feeds into this, this line of, hey, how do we keep this, keep this fun? And uh, what we try to do, and by the way, even that comfort with instability, there's some hindsight in that as well. We, we started to see that when we allowed for that and when we asked for that and when we asked people to think about this differently, they were more engaged and they had more fun and they felt more rewarding and we're like, okay, let's do more of that. Um, but what's interesting about it is we, we try to create an environment where every one of our team members can see themselves in our company. And so that's why I'm so proud of the, the recognition for the top workplaces that we've received. But you can even see it walking around um, the office. And I'm smiling because you can't see it on the video. But when we built out our offices, um, we, we, green is our color. It's probably a bit overdone in certain places. But we had a green bucket that we put in the middle of the office. And we said, look, we're building out a new office. What do you want to see in the office? I had no idea what I was going to get. 
But what's really cool about doing that is every single thing that our employees asked for, except for one, uh, we were able to build into the design of the new office. And so things like a glass wall with our logo, um, a wood accent wall, hardwood floors, um, all very cool things I hadn't thought of, but now someone, whoever said it, walks in and see that. We didn't get to do a wood-burning fireplace, and there's all sorts of commercial code that wouldn't let us do that. Um, but if you walk out here, you will see things like a ton of standing desks out here. You will see a bunch of spaces that have nothing but uh, uh, comfortable chairs where people can collaborate. You will see uh, walls that are completely painted as whiteboards that our teams can just collaborate on. You will see, yeah, yes, David, you will see about 15 big green yoga balls that people thought they wanted to sit on. And so we invested, who knows how much money in yoga balls that, that now get kicked around out here like a ball pit at a, a Chuck E. Cheese or something like that. But the point is that we are very much a company that, uh, that welcomes that type of input from our team members that they can see themselves in our organization. And I believe by doing that, uh, people want to be here and it, and it is fun. And we've heard through the pandemic uh, numerous times, people miss it. People miss what we've created here. Um, and so I think that's a, a good measure of our success. Mm -hmm. How were you able to maintain that uh, on a vir in a virtual setting, that, that, that degree of fun? Very difficult. Yeah, yeah, very difficult. And it, it was, uh, um, there were a lot of not fun conversations about it, uh, meaning that as recently as yesterday, talking to our management teams about, you know, hey, this is a deliberate thing that we have to do. So think about that, is talking to a management team about how they have to make fun a priority or they, you know, you've got <laughs> to put work into this. There's nothing fun about putting work into being fun. Um, but that's what we've had to do. And, you know, we, we've done the things that, that other, everyone else has. We've done uh, virtual uh, outings. We've done the, the wine tastings. We've done the, um, I don't think it was intended to be a, a, a ugly Christmas sweater, ugly Christmas uh, pajama party, but it kind of turned into that. We did trivia things. We did a lot of things the best we can. But the truth to that is in this largely virtual environment, uh, there was no way to do it as effectively, not for the team as large as we have. And we worked very hard at it. And I think that we did okay. And I think we probably did better than most, but um, we're looking forward to coming back. Yeah. The, the efforts there, you know, not every one of those conversations will be fun. And like you said, yeah. you know, incorporating fun into the workplace seems like it should be fun, but just like any, you know, making plans for anything else, it comes with stress. It comes with anxiety. It comes with disagreements. And it so does. just having that like core component where you can look back at it and go, okay, all right, this was worth it in hindsight. Yeah. Um, I think that's where, where that matters. So, you know, it was, it was the, one of the more difficult things we added, if you can imagine, we added 23 new people during the pandemic. And so there's another component altogether in that reality is that we're trying to keep our team together. Who has an expectation for the experience that you just talked about? And then we're having people that have signed on for what we've, you know, positioned our company as, and we're trying to get them engaged in a virtual environment. I mean, it's, it is a, it's a heavy lift and I think our team did a great job. Um, I will tell you this, as soon as August rolls around August, September, we're planning on getting everyone from across the country into one spot for uh, you, you know, a corporate outing of, of some sorts, just to, to really kick that back off again. And I think that 
you know, like most people out there, we won't really miss a beat. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I love, I love that, you know, bringing, creating a shared experience together. Um, that that's more organizations need to do that for sure. Now, uh, looking yeah. forward, mm. biggest obstacles and challenges that you're, you're still, uh, you're, you're dealing with right now mm -hmm. as you look into the crystal ball. <laughs> Again, I'm going to go to hindsight, you know, making decisions as a, as a company this size uh, that hold true for a company that's growing. And, and I'll give you some great examples. When we were a small company of, you know, maybe, you know, 10 or even 20 people, um, we let people bring dogs to work and we, we did all these fun things that companies do. Well, imagine when you get to be closer to 75 people or even more than that, you got a lot of dogs floating around. And so, you know, those are things that, that you got to be careful of. Um, but if you go back to where we started this conversation, I do believe so much of our success lies in the environment that we've created. And being able to do that as you continue to scale as a large company is going to be very, you know, very important. It's going to be increasingly challenging. So as we move to 100, 200 people, 300 people, even more than that, how do we create an environment where every single person sees themselves in that? I mean, it's going to be more than, you know, green yoga balls uh, floating around the, the office. It's going to be truly us continuing to make that a priority and continue to, to be willing to evolve and change and address uh, these ideas as they come up. I think that's going to be our biggest challenge. But we've unlocked something different. I think our success you know, would validate that. I think that I think you can see the passion I have around it. So I don't see that uh, our growth is going to slow. So this just becomes something that we have to be aware of. And it's something that we have to address. And I think you I mean, you may have without even knowing it, uh, provided at least one idea for a solution earlier on in this conversation uh, around making it small, making the big yeah. small. Uh, a lot of organizations who are growing, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these fellow leaders that I talk to are working with organizations who are expanding because they have that, that cultural uh, togetherness that, that people are looking for, you know, they're, they're attracting top recruits. They're, they're attracting people who are, who know what the culture is before they even, you know, throw that application, that resume your way. Yeah. And, uh, and the one thing that I've seen, people do like virtual coffee chats where it's randomized where it's like 10 people just talking about something silly totally unrelated to work i mean there are any number of directions uh that that you can take um and laughing together does bring people together with whether it's virtually whether it's in person and uh and so that that brings me to this question yeah the last thing that you really laughed about um. as a team and then individually that, that like tied into that I mean, it's uh, it, it, it's it's hard uh, because the, the the list is is fortunately uh, very long, and and I think that that uh, that validates some of the the things that you're thinking in terms of the importance of laughter at work. But you know, we've had a lot of good laughs about um, some of the the organizations and groups that we've worked with, and some of the unique things that have happened in this. Uh, this type of, uh, of work from home environment. And we've had it all. We've had the, um, the, the wandering pets knocking over glasses or the, uh, you know, uh, spouses wandering through the background. I, I do think one of the funniest things that we had a good laugh at is we did have an experience uh, similar to one of the, the commercials out there where someone, it was a very serious meeting that we were having. And it was a very serious uh, person that was on the, the meeting 
one of their children's had uh, had set a filter on the screen, and this poor person had to do a, a whole meeting that we couldn't reschedule with a fake mustache that followed her around <laughs> on the <laughs> on the screen, and it was. Uh, it was entertaining for our team to, 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 to you know, to, to laugh about that and, uh, but to hold it together. But those are the types of things that, uh, that we just, we, we just enjoy and um, you, you got to kind of laugh it off. But there, there's a, uh, there's a, there's a long list of, you know, from our folks that uh, no one takes themselves too, too seriously. One thing I do love about laughter uh, is that we haven't talked about that I think is, is completely under underrated is the way it, it uh, there's a bit of vulnerability that, that, it, that it frees up and allows people to be more comfortable. And uh, if you can laugh together, I think it creates more of a safe space. And so these types of things where, where, where things go wrong or you know, someone maybe misses something, but kind of no harm sort of situations, I think are extremely valuable. It level sets, it humanizes, you know, Humanizes. I think that's it. That's the right word. It really just humanizes what you do. And uh, it, it's an immense relief. And uh, but don't underestimate the amount of trust that can be built by two people laughing together. It's it's instant. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's where a lot of people uh, kind of miss that opportunity, like you were saying, would you say that's the that's the big the big thing that uh, that other leaders are missing when you when you, you know, talk to other um, organizations and things like that? You know, I don't know if it's a big thing um, because I think laughter is more of a, it's a, it's a product. I mean, I, you know, this idea of creating an environment where uh, enjoyment and fun is, is central to, to the culture. That's what I think you and I are, are really talking about because, you know, you, you can see the opposite. You can see the people that, that, uh, that maybe crack one or two jokes too many. And then you move from this idea of, of uh, laughter being a, uh, a confidence field, a, a humanizer, uh, to, to it being, okay, it's a bit much, let's get serious. Or, you know, do you really take this seriously? So I think it's, if you're, if you're striving for laughter, be a little bit careful, but I think it's what you and I've been speaking about is if you create an environment that appreciates, um, fun, not work or not just work, I should say, <laughs> but enjoyment, uh, I think that laughter will be an outcome of that. Right, right. It's it's the outcome. Uh, I, I mean, it's like you've listened to uh, one of my programs where you know laughter is the outcome. It's not yeah. like it's not the it's not the process. Um, the, the, right. That's exactly. But engagement, I think, too, is the other aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's there's uh, there are massive companies. On I'm not gonna you know comment on which ones, but there are massive companies out there with you know these these leaders that are. Uh, you know, very popular. Everyone flocks to hear them speak, but they, they just don't have that value on engagement. And I don't know if it's holding them back or not. It's hard to say because by most measures they're successful, but, uh, but you do, you do hear the environment that they've created and it's not, it's not something that fits for me. Let's just say it that way. And I don't know that it fits for a lot of people that joined our team. Mm -hmm. Right. They, they, uh, even though they may have the wood burning fireplace, there's those other intangibles <laughs> that are missing. That's right. Yeah. What's worth, we still have that, that green bucket and, uh, our only commitment, it goes back to, uh, this connection is, uh, we say that you, any question that goes in there, uh, we will answer the question. You may not like the answer, but we'll answer. So that thing is still sitting back in the kitchen and, uh, we still use it to this very day. 
Yeah, that's a that's a great way to get some uh, answers to to questions and to communicate and be transparent. And I don't know, maybe if you could install like a metaphorical wood burning <laughs> fireplace, what would that what would that mean? Uh, yeah, well, you know, we're we're actually going to redo our office again to comment on our growth. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what what we uh, what we get this next time. So I don't know if fireplace will come up again or if medical if there's some sort of metaphorical fireplace being created. I don't know what it would be. Well, well, I'll be interested to see. I'll let you know. Yeah, open up the floor to, for that one. Uh, That's right. <laughs> uh, any other uh, advice uh, that you would give uh, any fellow leaders looking to uh, create that balance of, of fun, hard work, and being comfortable with, with uncertainty? I love that demand instability. Quote. Yeah. That's one that I'm going to remember. So. Well, I mean, look, and don't forget what I said after that is that there's some hindsight in what I said. I mean, there's a lot of what we've done that's been, you know, darn scary from, um, you know, leaving something that was very stable and, and by many measures successful for me professionally to starting this, to taking chances, to, to, to giving up control um, to build that trust among the team. I mean, it's, it's a lot easier to sit here and even laugh with you about this stuff once it's been successful, but there's a lot of, of uneasiness that, that, that came along with everything that, that, you know, that I shared with you. From my perspective is I always believed in, in where we were going. I always believed that we had to have the right team to get us there. I always believed that we were assembling the right team. And so when those things started presenting themselves over either overtly or I felt like I recognized them on the team, this idea of instability, this idea of, you know, constantly rethinking things. It, it was fear. There was fear with it. And we trusted in that, but we stayed core to what we believed, you know, we were marching towards, we stayed core to uh, true to who was going to get us there. And if, when those presented themselves, I think that belief, there was uneasiness there, but that belief in that overall outcome um, never faltered. So I don't want it to, to seem as if we did all these things and we knew it was going to work. No, no, no. I trust me. I questioned everything that we did. There were many nights I'm thinking that we were, that we were crazy, but once it starts hitting, once it starts driving the results, you can't stop. You just can't stop. And so it'll be interesting to see how we continue to do this back to this conversation about uh, extreme growth but I know we'll do it. And the reason I know is because it'll be these folks out here that do this. It's not me. It's the folks out here that are defining it. And if the, the groups are defining, if the groups are setting the course and we're simply responding to it, we can't help but be successful, which incidentally is exactly our philosophy for serving our clients. I did not have that plan that just came together nicely. So <laughs> You may have been fearful at first, but then once you got started, you, you kept going. No, a lot of what you we said did. too uh, reminds me of, of, you know, when you write a new bit, I always tie this back to comedy before we close it out. Yeah. Um, you know, you write a new bit. Some of the best jokes come from creating higher tension in the audience. And then when you can release that tension, all of a sudden, you know, you get that big laugh on that joke. Yeah. And you're like, ah, <laughs> uh, I don't know about this. Uh, and then, and then all of a sudden, just the next joke will come. Like maybe you didn't have the next one planned yet. Let's see if the first one works. And then the next one comes. And it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hard for me. It's like when you, so you work at a restaurant. You, from now on, you go into a restaurant and you look at everything differently. You, you know, you used to work. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, you know what's working well, what's not working well. And, and as a comic, like I look at 
just everyday situations uh, from that that standpoint too. And so, uh, yeah. In hindsight, listening to this conversation uh, again, I'll probably be able to find a lot more uh, that that's there. But you know, a lot of your philosophy mirrors that of a good comic, and that's why I reached out to you and I was like, "Will this conversation lead to that?" And uh, a lot of times it does. And so, oh, good. I'm not sure that ever. I ne I would never make a connection between who I am and what I do in comedy, but hey, you know, uh, I'll take no, it. I'm not saying go up into an open mic. I'm not. But, uh, <laughs> oh, I, I mean, not. if you want to, I, I will stop you. But you know, uh. it's not in I have uh, not in my plans. I have a a couple, you know, good friends that are people I've worked with in the past that are doing what you're doing, and I, I respect them. And yeah, not that I couldn't do what they do. Couldn't yeah, do you, it. you can appreciate it though, and that's uh, oh boy, I definitely can. I definitely can <laughs> for sure, Victor. Uh, you've been an awesome guest. It's been an awesome conversation. Is there anything that you'd like to plug anywhere? We should follow you on social media, anything like that. I'm on Twitter, you know, at Victor Bonnard. You can find me there. Uh, you can find our company at Innovatus Group. Um, but you know, thanks for having us. This has been a, a lot of fun. I in I find that the, the questions that are less about challenging and cracking codes and more about, hey, can you just tell us about the fabric of your company? Much easier to have, much more enjoyable. I keep pointing off to the side because I'd love to grab some teams and, and, and pull them in here. But, uh, but thanks for having us. If you ever want to talk to our team and, and, and even take temperatures on this or go a different route, the whole company is available to you. I think they'd enjoy speaking to you as much as I did. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely keep you in mind. I've got I've got your email address, so you you, you may regret uh, you may regret opening that door. That's a not at all. I, lo I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing. It's 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 unique, um, and it's entertaining. And uh, you, you know, I think there's there needs to be more of that. Yeah, I'll, I'll sneak in the back. I'll wear uh, that same fake mustache uh, filter <laughs> for your uh, your your team uh, when when you bring everybody together. It's like, who's that guy? I think that's that's great. We will we'll watch for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Victor. Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week, and uh, thank you for helping me prove that it's okay, and and you should definitely laugh at work. You bet. Thanks, David. Yeah, take it easy, man. All right, bye bye. <laughs> you can't laugh at that. Thank you for listening or watching this episode of You Can't Laugh at That's You Can't Laugh at Work series with Victor Bonner. To learn a little bit more about Innovatus Group, you can visit innovatusgroup.com. Follow them on Twitter. Twitter, not Twitter. What is Twitter? It's not a real thing. Don't follow them on Twitter. Follow them on Twitter at Innovatus Group. And you can catch up with them on LinkedIn if you'd like. You can also find Victor on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at Victor Bonnert. And yeah, that's it. Once again, this is David Horning. Thank you for listening to this episode of You Can't Laugh at Work the podcast where we prove that, yeah, you can and should laugh at work. And if you want your company to laugh at work a little bit more, check out watercoolercomedy.org, where we specialize in corporate comedy experiences, as well as keynotes, consulting, training courses, and so on. Watercoolercomedy.org, where we help you make work the time and place to laugh. Catch you next time.